This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's the Thursday date day edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And as you know by now, this is a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, life questions, and on Thursdays especially, with brilliant wisdom, Paula is here to exhort, to encourage, and whatever else is on her heart. And boy, does she look cute today. Oh, I'm supposed to say thank you right here? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All you need to do is call us at 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And if you are in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, our main number is 340-9585. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Welcome to my life. Thank you, sir. What's on your heart? Well, um, I just was kind of excited. You know, we're here at the office and... Um, we're, I'm looking, walking around looking, and today is Thursday, and then tomorrow is Friday. So, you know, this, this place is all set up for the kids to be at school, and I'm looking in one room, which used to be two rooms, and um, because of, you know, the COVID things, there's only enough, there's plenty of space for 10 kids. They each have their own desk. So, you know, you just think, wow. Um, this social distancing is wreaking havoc with yeah. our, our little building in the yeah. school, but yeah. but the, the the staff, Pastor Will, and everybody's working out really, really well. And it, it looks so cute, actually, you know. And if you have your own desk, you can kind of spread out, you know. Well, it's funny for us because we've never had room ever mm-hmm. in this church for anything. Um, not only have we not had room, but people are right on top of each other. And you know what? We've grown to like it that way. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've gotten used to the fact that that's the way it is, and mm-hmm. we like the closeness. Mm-hmm. So this is just really strange. Mm-hmm. I know we, we're not supposed to talk about these things, but yeah. just, you know, the idea of coming into church where you're not supposed to hug yeah. and everybody's got their faces covered with masks, yeah. it is abhorrent to me. It is. You know, now, you got to remember my family, and we have nicknames for, you know, our people. And so I had this Aunt Chug, and she had a little house, but... Our family would love to go over to her house because she was fun. And her house was little, and she had a little kitchen. And yet, 
30 of us would fit in her house. And we could, it was crowded if we were in the living room, dining room, kitchen. No, no, no. We all have to be at that kitchen table because we wanted to be there. So the older and the older people and then the little kids would sit at the table. And then everybody else, you know, and so everybody could see, then the, the ones sitting and then the ones who were short, like me, and then those who were taller would be the third group. And so to come here and, and know that the kids can't hug or touch each other, it's like, man, this is what, why they wanted to come back to school, but that's okay. Anyway, so school has started. School has started, and, and, and it's, it's really kind of cute. The kids are very excited. Um, the kindergartners who came, and I saw a couple of pictures, you know, they had their, their masks on. <laughs> they just look so professional. You know, like, this is just how it is, and we're going to get along just fine. So, anyway, it's cute, and I'm praising the Lord that that our kids have wanted to be back, and the teachers are as excited as the kids. Well, they, they've got to wear their masks, Paula, um, uh, when they're out moving around. Mm-hmm. But, but in their in the, the rooms, oh, okay. they don't have to do it. I saw one of them, when he got to his desk, terrorist mask, and say, Phew! <laughs> <laughs> and I, I sympathize with him because that's exactly what I'm, the yeah. minute I put a mask on, my nose starts running. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I feel so claustrophobic yeah. that I just—it's like well, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> so I'm running out. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, uh, and then the next thing is I'm inviting the ladies, uh, and and I, I think pa- Pastor Kim will be teaching this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next Monday we're off again. But so this coming Monday I'm going to be teaching a special, special, special uh, message on First Samuel, uh, chapter 14, just the first seven verses about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And it's going to be a short uh, lesson, and then we're going to have a so we can have a longer Q and A time and prayer time. So for any and all ladies who want to come. You're more than welcome, and as many of the leadership ladies that will be here, we you know we we can't um, invite people up to pray for hugging them and crying with them and all that kind of stuff. So the leadership ladies will just sit on the edge of the stage, um, and we'll take questions that way, and we'll answer as best we can, and then we'll just pray, uh, like directed prayers, pray for marriages, pray for health. That kind of stuff. Pray for your kids. Um, we'll do that. But and you're going to start. Uh, if I were, if I heard you correctly, you're going to start your um, ladies' prayer breakfast again in in September. Yes, sir. So when is that? Is that this Monday or the following? Mm-hmm, Monday? The it's following. Always the first Monday of every month. Yes. Okay. So it'll be the following Monday, the seventh. Even though that's Labor Day, and the school and offices will all be closed, but because so many people will be available, I didn't want to. Postpone it to the next week. Okay. Yeah. So we're September seventh. We'll have our first in-home um, pas- uh, prayer breakfast. First since the quarantine stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's been so long. I don't even know if I know how to cook still. Just <laughs> <laughs> one look at me indicates you haven't forgot how to do that. Yeah. Okay. No, that's not true. <laughs> so anyway, so August thirty-first. Uh, short, short message. Long Q&A, and the Q&A is not um, live-streamed because uh, sometimes some of the questions get pretty personal, um, and neither is the prayer time, but the teaching will be on. So, Welcome back, everybody. Okay. Yep. Okay, Pastor Ron, I was thinking about this. Uh, 
you know, Jesus did a lot of miracles. And, you know, we're praying, Lord, you can make this virus stop and, um, you know, and let everybody know it's you. Well, I was looking at some of the miracles. And so in Matthew chapter 11, uh, you know, John the Baptist was in, in prison and he's getting a little nervous about, you know, I've done all these things and here I am in prison and is 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 he the real one or am I wasting my time? Getting getting a little a little doubtful. And so John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. So, miracles. Lord, uh, you know, we want miracles like um, do this in a super fantastic way, you know, uh, I, you know, I, you know me. So if I have a headache, I'm always thinking brain tumor, <laughs> <laughs> you know, seriously, if I have a pain in my back, I'm thinking, oh man, is that a sign of some serious, you know, I mean, just, I always go, I don't know why I go to the extremes. And so anyway, uh, it's really only about physical stuff that you do that. Yeah. So it's it's uh, just bizarre, right? Yeah, I guess we all have some kind of issue that the enemy can just. You've got issues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, praise the Lord, he he still saved me. You know, I'm going to have <laughs> issues or not. You know, but anyway, so miracles, Jesus' miracles. You know, we're always praying for miracles, and so can you just kind of give a a perspective on what Jesus is really saying here, or and or the miracles that he did compared to the ones that are in our minds. When we think miracles, we think some super fantastic, you know, I'm going to wake up and be just a genius because that's what I want. No issues. Yeah, the, the truth is we, we wouldn't know a miracle, Paul, if we saw it because the perspective in our culture has been so warped by false teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even before I go there, you know, uh, I get a lot of questions about John the Baptist having doubts. And we really need to lighten up on John the Baptist. I mean, Jesus said there was never a greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. Um, he, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And, and um, um, you know, Jesus' endorsement ought to be enough for us. The problem is, John, like all of the other Jews, believed that when the Christ came, he would establish his kingdom. That means he'd kick Rome out. Uh, the the Messiah would be seated on the throne of David, and then everything would be Jewish and without interference, and he would rule and reign forever. Well, that's not what Jesus came to do. We know that. John didn't know it. And when he's in prison and he knows he's about to lose his life, um, he's, he's starting to have doubts, and the enemy is right there in the jail cell with him. And so he's starting to have doubts and thinking, well, 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 maybe I was wrong. Now, we think that all the time. Mm-hmm. When you and I came to Texas, we knew beyond any doubt that we needed to come here. Mm-hmm. But we got here and found out that it didn't look anything like we expected it to or hoped it would. When it got really, really hard, we began to doubt. Well, was I wrong? You know, Paula followed me here and, 
and and look how things are turning out and that's just human nature and John the Baptist was decidedly human now relative to the miracles when we hear the word miracles we think um, I want to win the lottery that's a miracle or help me get this job so I can get enough money buy a new house buy a new car uh, do a miracle Lord and help me with this this man or with this woman kind of thing those aren't miracles Miracles, by definition, are those times when God imposes himself in the natural laws and overrides those natural laws. When, when Jesus went through doing miracles, healing entire cities, casting out demons, giving sight to the blind, all of those things, um, those were real miracles. We don't do those kind of miracles. We don't see those kind of miracles today. Now, with rare exceptions, and there are, are exceptions, um, in, especially in third world countries or in places where it's um, um, dangerous, life-threatening to become a Christian. Um, you know, Jesus still will impose himself on nature, on natural law, and override it, and he'll do that to validate the same reason he did it during his ministry and the same reason he empowered the apostles to do it in the first century church to validate their message. Now, we don't need his message validated. We who are believers know it. And um, uh, so when, when we're asking for God to do miracles, a, a miracle isn't when somebody, and, and we've talked about miraculous outcomes, and there's a big difference between a miraculous outcome than a miracle. Uh, we had a, a young woman that we were praying for for a long time here, and the doctors gave her up for dead, and we prayed for a miracle. We really did. Well, she got better, but it wasn't a miracle. She got better because God used doctors and medicine and his healing touch to help her recover. And we were thrilled, and it is miraculous, but it's not a miracle. It's not a miracle. Like I said earlier, if, if somebody wins the lottery, you know, hey, I'm going to get uh, $400 million or something. That's not a miracle. You go buy a ticket at a store, and, and then there's a process. A miracle is when Jesus uh, sends somebody to a beggar, a cripple, and says, gold and silver have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Christ. Rise and walk. That's a miracle. When Jesus touches ten lepers, and does a miracle for them. And nine of them are ungrateful and don't even return to say thank you. Um, those are miracles. Walking on water, that's a miracle. Uh, pulling gold coins out of a fish's mouth, that's a miracle. Uh, we don't see those kind of miracles. So I think what we ought to do, Paul, is pray for the miraculous. And and this is a stickler for me because when when we use the word miracle, uh, as a Bible teacher, I know what people are thinking. And so they want to claim their miracle. Um, Lord, I want to get well. Lord, heal this. Or Lord, do this. And, and again, those aren't miracles. So Jesus' miracles were uh, signature miracles. They were, they were by definition, uh, extraordinary events that only God could do. And uh, only God did do them. And even when the apostles were doing them, or Philip, or Stephen later, when they perform miracles, it was to validate the message. Well, when we go to church, or when we sit in our prayer closets, we ought to pray for miraculous outcomes, for sure. But our prayer for miracles shouldn't 
usually include ourselves. Um, you, you know me, I've prayed not only for this virus to go away in a supernatural way, but for God to give me or anybody else, doesn't have to be me, but me or anybody else, uh, a, 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 an important prophetic word to say, to declare, tomorrow at 5 o'clock p.m., this virus will be wiped out. And I say this so that you will know it's done by the hand of God. And then when uh, it happens and people, oh, well, it must have been something else, then God would send me or somebody else to say, you know, stop sinning lest something worse happens to you, which is what John told the paralytic in John, or what Jesus told the paralytic in John chapter 5. So um, that's a miracle. That would be a miracle. God would just stop this in such a way as to demonstrate his glory. And if he would do that, There'd be some people who'd pay attention. Many, 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 many more would would just reject it. They they rationalize it away. But those are the kind of miracles that we ought to be praying for. Um, you've been with me, Paula, when we've walked in the hospitals, and without drawing any attention to myself, I'm begging the Lord as I walk down an aisle, Lord, just heal the people behind me. I'll walk out quietly. Nobody needs to know me, but just do this miracle of healing, Lord. And He doesn't do it. At least the way I want him to do it. That doesn't mean he can't. Mm -hmm. It just means that there's no need, no necessity of that in these last days. Okay, so the people who say that they're uh, planting seeds of faith, what is that? Mostly nonsense. Okay. Naming and claiming it. Okay. You know, the guy who says, um, um, I'm planting a seed, here's my offering. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a church one time where there was a big prosperity message mm-hmm. and the guy was saying, plant your seed now, plant your seed now. God is going to do this. And this guy was amen and hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And, and I was sitting right behind him. I could look over his shoulder. And every time the offering box came by mm-hmm. or the offering plate came by, and it came by several times yeah, that oh, night, yeah. every time he'd reach into his wallet, mm-hmm. take out a bill and put it in there. I was watching. They were $1 bills. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, That's you... A little seed. Yeah, I said, how silly is that? <laughs> if you really believe this, and he was one of the loudest ameners, mm-hmm. if you really believe this, then you'd be giving everything you had. You'd just turn your wallet inside out and dump it. The problem is those things aren't true. Now, when we plant a seed of faith, that is a tool that prosperity teachers use to manipulate mm-hmm. the people in their church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's dangling a, a carrot in front of a horse so that the horse will continue walking, continue following him. And you know, Paul, when, when I first got saved, we went to one of those mm-hmm. prosperity churches. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember even then as a brand new believer, without really having any sense of what's going on, um, I, I looked around and thought, well, you know, all these cars are like old broken down junker cars in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And there's thousands of them. But only the pastor's driving in this case, it was a Rolls. Rolls Royce, yeah. And, and you know, this, this just doesn't make sense. So if we really want to plant a seed of faith, we do that by saying to Jesus, nevertheless, thy will, not my will be done. And we offer our bodies, as Paul says, as living sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Well, or, you know, or I, I wonder if they get that from, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain be moved. Is that where they get you know, this mountain of debt, this mountain of ill health, this mountain of my kids are going the wrong way. I'm planting my seed of faith. I remember 
this is embarrassing, but a false teacher that I had listened to said, you know, you can you can claim your children to be saved if you just, you know, as they sleep, you just go around the house and you pray over them. You can anoint them with oil. I was anointing my kids with oil, Pastor Ron, just before you were saved, man. That's why God had to save you because, you know, I had to get straightened out. But anyway, putting that, you know, the cross on their foreheads while they slept. I'm sure if they woke up in the middle of that going, what? <laughs> what, what is this on my face? My nose is running. Wait, that's the no, wrong that's direction. <laughs> I'm greasy. <laughs> you know, but I'm claiming my kids for the Lord's kingdom, you know. And, yeah. You see, know, and I, I had a little bit of discernment. And I knew as I was, you know, I'm praying over my kids and then I go, you think this really going <laughs> to <laughs> this really going to work? And see, the false teacher would convince you, well, see, that's doubt. Yeah, oh, yeah, so and, that's and, why and, it didn't happen. Yeah, and if you doubt, it doesn't happen. So, <laughs> but, but see, that's, it, it's so manipulative. Yeah. And, and believe me, that's what false teachers, prosperity teachers are doing. They're manipulating their people into believing these things. And you know, Paula, we can watch these false churches on TV or uh, in other places, and we can see every time the pastor will say something, or plant your seed, God is going to do a miracle day. They're all standing up and they're raising their hand and they're shouting and they're running to plant their seed. Um, when, when in reality the seed has been planted, the, the passage about the mustard seed, um, they, they, they misuse that in a way that really causes damage to people. You know, Jesus isn't concerned about moving mountains into oceans. Um, in, in a Jewish way of thinking from Zechariah, a mountain is this seemingly impossible object, yeah. this immovable force, and it's going to overcome you. It's going to overwhelm you. And um, and Jesus is saying to the Jews, look, you, you think Rome is an immovable mountain? Just have enough faith to believe in me, is what he's saying. And if you believe in me, this mountain will be cast away into the sea. And the same principle works for all of us, but we try to materialize those things. And it's because it's, it's a result of the manipulation that we have uh, going on within the church. And it's just because people don't know their Bibles. They, they don't want to know. And, and you know, people in faith churches, they, they can spout verses and they can claim them with the best of them. They just don't know what they say. Yeah, and that's yeah. really the tragedy. Not the content, but the context of what it means. That's what you're saying? Yeah, they, they well, they, they just, it's, it's like they're using a word, but giving an entirely different and wrong definition. Mm. Okay. Those are really difficult things. Mm. Well, you know, that's why we got to know our word. And I'm so thankful because I remember when the Lord told me I had to stop watching quote-unquote Christian television and read the Bible, Paula. Read the Bible. Pray and ask me what it means. Read the Bible. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord that you got saved, but with or without you, he was telling me to read the Bible and, he, and the Holy yeah. Spirit was teaching me. But it, does, it is helpful. But I could, just like everybody else who calls on this radio program and asks the question. Um, just like, you know, it's praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And see, that's another false teaching mm -hmm. thing. They're just dangling another carrot. Yeah. If you don't have the gift of tongues, give to me. Mm -hmm. If you give to me, God will bless you with this gift. And, and you know, when you're exercising the gift incorrectly, you know it's nonsense. You know it's silliness. Yeah. There is hope, though. I just read uh, in an article this morning that... Uh, Kenneth Copeland has been banned from TBN finally after all these years. So, so who knows? Wow. 
That's a long time. Yeah. I was, I, yeah, I was young and didn't even have to dye my hair back in those days. <laughs> That's a long time. So, I was thinking about Paul and Barnabas today. You know, and sometimes while we're walking together, both both Christians, you know, and we're walking together in ministry, and every once in a while, something comes along where Barnabas goes one way and Paul goes the other way. And it wasn't real amicable at that time. They had a pretty stark disagreement. Talk about that, Pastor Brian. Well, I, I don't think we have time to do that until the other side of the break. Okay. But, but it, it wasn't um, a falling away. It, it wasn't a, a, a breaking apart. Uh, I believe with all my heart it was God creating two ministries out of one. Okay. Uh, we know that Silas was warming up with the bullpen. Uh, they had two different perspectives on ministry, and I think those are valid perspectives to communicate about. Okay. So uh, we'll do that on the other side of the break. Hey, we're inside uh, a minute now for this half of the program. Uh, phones have been quiet, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. You're listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. And Paul is looking especially bright today. So if you've got questions, Q2, but but especially bright. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have any questions or comments, (laughs) please call. We'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. time to call into the word to stand on for life no problem if you've got questions you can email them to pastor ron at pastor ron kslr at gmail.com that's pastor ron kslr at gmail.com back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh it's his crazy lovely bride and you know what we forgot to do i i don't think we gave the phone numbers today so i get the privilege of saying if you want to call us And you know what happens on this day? Many of you don't call us because you want to hear us talk to each other. And um, but you should call 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585, and toll free 877-630-5757. You could also uh, send questions at questions at calvarysa.com or via our Calvary Chap mobile app. And then I think Pastor Ron says something like, what is it? Um, you, can, you can do the KSLR mobile app, which would be probably the safest, and you will be connected directly to our studio producer extraordinaire. Yes. So yesterday was his birthday. Today I came in and I said, hey, you're in your 59th year. And he said, no, no, no. I was 57. I'm just two days into my 58th year. So I said, oh, okay. Okay. All right. So we've been um, talking about 
Never mind. I want to start a new, a new uh, topic. Yesterday, or Tuesday, I listened to um, one of our ladies do her leadership devotion. And um, I might cry. <laughs> it was very emotional. And she is a, and I shouldn't have to say this, but she's my beautiful, tall, black daughter who also happens to be the kindergarten teacher at Calvary Chapel Christian Academy. And she could barely um, keep it together as she was talking about the things that were going on in her family um, during this quarantine time and that um, she had heard a message where the, the pastor said to reread Romans 14. And um, in that, she read it, and uh, it's talking about, you know, um, unity in the body and not being so um, divided and stuff like that. And so she said uh, she was, you know, um, doing a heart check, and during this time she had felt a little bit defeated, and I was wondering why that was. Well, um, you know, it says in verse 20 of, of Romans 14, to pursue peace in the body, build it up. And she asked a question, if Jesus came right now, am I doing what and how he would want me to do it? And um, she said that she was checking her heart and, and constantly praying because in the feeling a bit defeated, it was because that not just a few, but many in the body of Christ um, are really acting no better than those in the world. And the racism thing was uh, being directed um, at two of her older children. And, um, you know, you expect people in the world to say ugly things. And sometimes people say things without filter. Um, but she said it's extra hurtful when people in the body of Christ say things without thinking. And what she said is, who you really are is what you put on your Facebook. Who you really are is what you say. Because the words that come from your mouth really do come from your heart. And some people in the body of Christ had sliced and diced a couple of her kids. And she, you know, she and her husband are, they're amazing. I wish, I wish I was much younger and were born to them. I, I would have turned out much better. Um, but she, um, she and her husband really have taught their children how to respond, not react, but how to respond correctly in a, in a timely manner, in a godly manner. And she was exceptionally proud of both of her children for how they responded, but very, very hurt um, by the things that had come um, to her children. And so, body of Christ, um, we need to all check our hearts. If you're prejudiced in any way, shape, or form, 
then you need to be quiet about it and ask the Lord to um, do a, a real deep work in your heart because he created all of us um, for his good pleasure. And um, no offense, I love vanilla ice cream, but that's not the only flavor. So, I'm back. I had to step out for a moment, Paula. Thanks for bringing that up. But, but you, you left out one word in the end of it. What they need to do is repent. This isn't a work that God has to do in their heart. This is a work that if they become Christians, God's already done that work. And uh, to, to be prejudiced against somebody is, is rebellion against God. And uh, I'm I'm sorry I, I stepped back in and you're crying almost. And, uh-huh. but, yeah, that thing oh. is in my throat because <laughs> yeah. I can see my baby's face. Yeah. Let's take a phone call. We got Joe calling from San Antonio on line one. Joe, thanks for holding. You're on the air. No, nope. just one is uh, um, the Bible verse, First uh, Corinthians nine twenty seven. Now, how you can uh, be disqualified? If you can explain that uh, scripture, please. I can do that. Thank you. Uh, Thank Paul, this is, this is actually, uh, I, I got this question earlier in the week, I guess, and uh, this, was, uh, th- this is one of those things, Joe, that I do not every day, but, but very, very, very often, uh, nearly daily. And, and Paul is talking about, now in the context of the passage, um, he says, um, uh, he's using an example of an athlete. Everyone who competes in games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And then he he gets very personal. He says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, he says, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And, and Paul is describing his walk. He's not saying that he can be disqualified. What he's saying is that he is in spiritual training every day. And the training is to say no to his flesh so that he can say yes to the Lord. When I say no to me, then I'm able to, to follow the leading of the Spirit. And Paul simply says, look, I have temptations. I have human emotions. I have human passions. But rather than give in to those and let those passions rule and reign, I beat my body. And it's literally a beating my body down. And when I'm, I'm exercising, you know, and I, I don't like exercise, but, but I have to do it. It's, it's one of those things. I'm beating my body physically so that I can have long physical life to serve the Lord. But I've got to do exactly the same thing spiritually when there are things that I'm allowing in my life that I know aren't good for me, things that, that draw me from Jesus instead of drawing me closer to him. Um, uh, I have to say no to those things. And, um, you know, in, not just in this epistle to the Corinthians, but especially in Romans, he talks about sin shall no longer be your master. So what Paul is describing here is the everyday practice of being under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The everyday practice of getting up and saying no to me so that he can say yes to Jesus. And he's doing that, writing this letter to the Corinthians who were being dominated by their flesh. This is a a letter of, of scolding, really, of rebuke. And they were giving in to their passions. And Paul, in contrast, says, no, I beat my body because I don't want to say yes because he doesn't want to be disqualified. Imagine what it would be like, Joe, to get to heaven 
And God's given you wonderful gifts. He's given you calling as a plan for everybody's life. Even if you don't know, we don't know what that plan is. God is a plan. He's bringing you along that plan. Imagine getting to heaven. First uh, Corinthians three says there's a smoking section in heaven when when the works that we do are going to be judged. Uh, imagine getting to heaven and finding out Jesus had so much more for you, but you were disqualified from the rewards because you wouldn't say no to your flesh. Paula, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this. This is one of those things that we have to we have to practice every single day. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember, and I'm a Christian. But I, I, I used to kind of drink a little bit, Joe. And so, you know, I can't just go to the liquor store anymore. And so I would go down to the liquor aisle at the grocery store. And the Lord said, no, completely put that away. And so, but we would go to somebody's house and they would offer me some. And I would take it and the Lord was like, what about this girl do you not get? And the reason he was saying that, Joe, is because he knew the calling that was on my is on my life, and that if if some parent were to call me and say, "Oh, my child was hit by a drunk driver," I need to I want to go and minister to them, and yet the Lord would have to say, "No, no, no, you're disqualified in this because you can't talk to somebody about their child getting hit by a drunk driver when you smell like that." And so for me to not disqualify myself from being used to be a source of comfort and encouragement to one, I need to say no. And you know, Paul, I think we all say, Lord, use me. Yeah. And, and if sometimes if we get hearing from him, he'd say, I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. But, but you allow these things. I have a pastor friend of mine who tells a story of, of uh, his softball team um, from the church playing a, yeah. a game in the summertime. And uh, they all went to a pizza place for um, refreshments afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a couple pitchers of beer. And this guy poured himself a pitcher of beer. Now his pastor poured himself a pitcher of beer. And he looks uh, on the other side of the, of the restaurant. And there's a man there who looks like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. I mean, the, the man is just o- overcome mm-hmm. with whatever it is that's bothering him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my friend David, he said... Uh, uh, just really talking to himself, well, i got to go over and minister to that guy, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he got up, and the Lord stopped him in his tracks. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, I don't need you. You've chosen now to drink this beer. Mm-hmm. I don't need you. I'll send somebody else. And, and David watched somebody else in the restaurant come over and and talk to the guy, pray with him. And, and, and it was like the Lord saying, David, I don't ever need you. Mm-hmm. I want to use you. And he determined right then and there that he was never going to put himself in a compromising position. Again, I want to understand that, that drinking beer is not sin, yeah. but for him it was because it took him out of the ability to be used by God. So, Joe, that's what uh, Paul is talking about as he writes to 1 Corinthians. And one of the things as we read 1 Corinthians, we've got to remember that this is a letter of complete rebuke. I'm going to be teaching 1 Corinthians as soon as we get done with uh, Second Timothy, and we're getting pretty close to the end, so um, you can can look forward to that, Joe. Uh, maybe you can watch it online, Paul. You, you know, and Ron, in your study last night, you were talking about um, uh, Lot. You know, speaking to his sons-in-law, well, really his girls' fiancés, about the judgment is coming, and yet his witness was so compromised that they thought he was joking. And so, you know, if we live a duplicitous life, the people who 
need to be listening to us, especially when it really matters. Judgment is coming. But if we have lived such a, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of life and expect others to um, see our Jesus or our uh, devotion to him by the way we've lived our lives, that's also a disqualification as well. Yep. And we don't want to be disqualified or anything. Joe, thanks very much for the for the call. Let's go to line two and talk with Lucy and from San Antonio. Lucy, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron and Paula. How are you doing? <laughs> Hi, my sweet twin sister. I know. I think it's the very first time that I call when you're on, Paula. I've called a couple of times with Pastor Ron. But what a delicious, delightful thing it is today to get both of you. Oh, you're the best. I love you so much. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about how God gives us the strength to go through whatever we go through. And the Bible verse that says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm -hmm. I had to gulp for a minute. Um, (laughs) I had had a um, disappointing morning, and we were talking earlier. I mean, I heard you talking earlier about the effects of COVID-19 on family and friends and, and how painful it is. Well, this morning I was talking to the nurse, at the place where my mom is um, living in memory care. And I was so excited because I thought, uh, I can finally go visit my mom. They're doing appointments one week ahead of time for 15 minutes. And I was imagining uh, all the awesomeness of seeing my mom and hugging her. Then the, the nurse said, well, let me tell you how it's going to be. Six feet apart, one end of the table, my mom is going to be there, and the other end of the table, I'm going to be there. And I just thought, I cannot do that to my mom. She would really not understand why I can't go up and hug her. So after I hung up with the nurse, I just had a real good cry with the Lord, and only he knows what's going on in all of this. So many people are affected by this that have elderly parents that they can't see. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus reminded me that he knows exactly what we are feeling and uh, came to mind how when uh, the women at the gravesite uh, came up and they were about to run up and hug him and he he backed up and he said don't hug me don't touch me yet i have not been to my father and i'm wanting to remember it correctly but there's details missing there and i'm thinking well lord you know exactly what we're going through there there's proof in the bible not just by faith, we know that he knows everything that we feel, how we think, but we belong to him, and there will be a time when this will end. And we should not be afraid, and we should not be downcast. 
we should not focus on what is not, but focus on what is. And I believe that God has re- revamped my joy and given me his strength to know how to proceed and and just take one more step at a time. And mm. I just really want to say I love you guys so much. I support you by <laughs> praying for you and encouraging you and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Fearless. Fearless for the Lord. And uh, that's really all that's on my heart right now. Do you have any questions for me? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Lucy, I, I'll make a comment. You know, I think I that that we, especially we who are pastors or leaders in church, uh, we're going to be dealing for years with the emotional damage caused by the lack of closure in a lot of these situations. We, we've seen people who've lost parents or, or um, some who've lost children, and they're unable to be with them in the hospital. We've got people now, uh, two surgeries today in our church, and, and the people aren't able to be there with them the way they would, the way Paula was with me when, when I had surgery a few years ago. And um, um, the, 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 the forfeiture of closure, not being able to say goodbye, is going to haunt people, and the enemy is going to use it. This is just one of those horrible times that we're in that, you know, we like to say this too shall pass, but I don't think the effects of this, Paul, are going to pass for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's, you had somebody who, uh, they lost their loved one, but in some cases, in like the last hours or days, they're being allowed to, be called in because I know for Lucy, if she went to go see her mom and her mom insisted on hugging her, then they would have to put Lucy's mom in her room all by herself for 14 days, just opening the door for a doctor to come in when necessary and or to give her her food. And that just isn't right. But in some cases, in like the last, we had one family, the last two days they got to spend with their father, but that's very rare. Yeah. That's very rare. And for for me, staying in the hospital with you, I mean, the whole time, spending the night there and everything, that is not happening. Yeah. And that would just be, you know, I was kind of like, not that I know a whole lot, but he's allergic to this, so you can't give him that. So if they were to come at you with that, I would be able to say, no, 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 he's allergic to that, so don't give it to him because, you know, you may not have been. So coherent. At the I, I'm allergic, actually, to not being with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been rough for me as well. Yeah. So I, I totally understand that this is going to be. It's like we're in prison, and our loves, loved ones are going either to heaven or you know the other place, um, and we're unable to say our goodbyes. Yeah. So and, and and you you bring up unbelievers. I hadn't even thought about it in the context, but. But, you know, if I've got family members who are sick and ill, I, I am going to be there to tell them about Jesus. Yeah. And if you can't go in, and nursing homes in particular that Lucy mentioned, mm-hmm. nursing homes are like toxic with this, this virus. And, and they've got to be especially vigilant about not letting people in and limiting contact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the dying process is, is a, a process of grieving. And it doesn't happen just when that person dies. 
the process happens is we watch them die and we, we allow the Lord to, to sort of prepare us mm-hmm. for the things that happen. And if we don't get the opportunity to do that, again, I think there's going to be a, a big emotional bill to pay. Yeah. In years to come. Well, Paula, we're inside three minutes for the program. What do you want to Did we share? finish talking about uh, Barnabas and Paul's separation? Because no, we never got to it because okay, so, I had to step out of the room. Mm-hmm. So you want to finish yeah, that up Yeah, really quickly. Bit? This was just about two perspectives of ministry. Um, Barnabas, uh, the son of Constellation, he was the good guy. Everybody loved him. He was always uh, happy-go-lucky, com- you know, concerned about people, and they knew it. Um, Paul was concerned about the mission. And when John Mark bailed on the first mission, um, John Mark, a relative of Barnabas, um, Barnabas came to to Paul and said, uh, on the second missionary journey, well, we want him to go. I want him to go. Let's take him again. He's sorry he did it. And Paul said, no, we can't jeopardize this mission with somebody who's not dependable. I love him, mm-hmm. but but no, we can't. And and Barnabas believed that that we should be more concerned about the individual while Paul believed that, no, I've got to be ensure the success of the mission. And he didn't want to do anything to jeopardize it. Now, there's no way we can know. The Bible doesn't tell us who was right, who was wrong. I think they were both right. Mm-hmm. I think Barnabas was right to be concerned about people. Um, Paul was right to be concerned about the success of the mission and do everything he could. And as we know, uh, Silas was warming up in the bullpen, so he was ready to step right in. And then Barnabas created a whole new ministry. So uh, this wasn't an argument. This wasn't uh, somebody being unfriended on Facebook. This was simply um, two differing philosophies that could no longer walk together. How can two walk together unless they agree to do so? And they just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I think we need to remember that when we have disagreements with people in ministry, at times it's God who's pulling people apart so that they can go different directions so God can do more through the two than he was doing through the two when they were walking together. That makes a lot of sense. I got you. Well. Okay. Good. Thank you. Okay. You're in less than a minute. Okay. So I'm inviting the ladies again this coming Monday. I'm going to do a short study with... Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan the Armor Bearer, and I hope to see you there. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. This has been the Date Day edition of the Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. See you then. See you later. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.